I should look at the clock, shouldn't I? It's, it's been, it, you know, it's actually been a year since I preached here. So I got a whole year worth of sermons. I, I preached all year long at Foster. I took them through the book of Philippians. They've never been through a book in their history. So we, we, we just cut it short. We did Philippians in 14 weeks. So I got 14 weeks worth here today. You ready? Get a coffee. Here we go. It's good to be home, church. We missed you. Been a year. Yeah, right. Uh, and yes, my hair is longer and it's grayer. Pastor Knight said, I, I, I zoomed in on the last men's meeting and he looked at me and said, what has Foster done to you? And the beard is a little bit bushier and grayer, but I, I don't care, man. I'm just kind of in no man's land, so it's just growing. I'm not cutting it. I, I didn't get it cut in lockdown. I just decided no more. Let it go. I want to see how long it can go, maybe even a ponytail out the back of a helmet. You've never seen me like that, have you? Well, you weren't, you weren't alive in the 70s, some of you. So, no, hey, come on. So good to be together, isn't it? We want to welcome everybody here today, but also those who are online, we want to welcome you. We know it's still that time for some of you where it's difficult to get in the house. I want to encourage you, though, when you can, get here. There's nothing like being together. Um, but watching online, God can still move. He can still bring healing and His grace into your home right where you're at. We love you. We thank God for you. I pray that your faith will grow today as a result of being in His house and in His Word. You'll just enlarge in His Word, which is good. And as many of you know, we spent most of last year, the, the bulk of the year at Foster, helping the church there, finished out at the end of the year. And we did find them pastors, which is good. That's a good thing. And it's not us, and that's an even better thing. Um, should they, I hope they're not watching. Anyway, um, but we did find them, so we're back there in a few weeks installing the new pastors and uh, being a part of the service there. And we're at C3 over at Merriweather, uh, I think first week of February, which celebrates 20 years of uh, Merriweather, which is good, which is awesome. Uh, and we're also helping the church at Tamworth, find their new pastors. We've got interim people in there, but nobody permanent. So if you love country music, we might have the church for you. Um, no, that's okay. Um, but yeah, thank you, Julie. Julie in the house. Nothing changes. Stay the same, Julie. Just get better. Good. Well, we've been asked a number of times, what's next for us? And if you've got a prophetic word, we'd love to hear it. No, no, just... Um, no, we're still waiting on God for direction. You know, we're still hanging to that verse in 1981. God gave us Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trusting in the Lord with all our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, all our ways acknowledging Him, believing He's directing our path. We make our plans, but God directs our steps. And so I want to ask you to just join with us in prayer and say, hey, yep, we'd appreciate it, because contrary to popular opinion, not retired. So still going. And uh, pray with us. We'd, we'd love that. Hey, I want to give a, a, I want to give a great shout out to pastors Nate and Rach. Um, yeah, come on, give them a hand. They, um, they have led the church and the team so well during an interesting period. I mean, just stop and think about it. This time last year, we were planning transition, parties, farewell, and then boom, shut down. And, and I know he's got plans and they've got plans for buildings and people and growth and all kind of things. And, and they've just led well through this period in spite of the period. And, and I just think they're doing a superb job, don't you? Doing a great job. But also, also, uh, I want to give a shout out 
to you, church, for being faithful, for being strong, for hanging in there. You know, uh, they're saying in, in America that 30% of the church is not showing up anymore. 20% of pastors in the Baptist scene have called it quits. Not so with you, which is good. You're here. You're in the house. This is awesome. And it's great to see you here. You're strong. You're faithful. And it's good to see new people here, which is good. Keep coming. It's worth it. And when Pastor Knight asked me to preach, he told me the theme. We did this, was it last year or two years ago? Soundtrack of summer? Yeah. That's right. I did my swan song. I got to do two swan songs in one year because I did one at Foster. And I couldn't tell them the same thing I told you, so I had to change it. So anyway, um, Soundtrack of Summer, my, my mind immediately thought of soundtracks that are written about summer holidays, Bee Gees, Beach Boys. Yeah, some of you know, come on. You know, talking about summer holidays, being at the beach, soaking in some sunshine, you know, stuff I love to do. Yeah, not. Uh, taking it easy. Thanks, Jess. No. Foster is boring. Just, it's nothing but sand and beach and sun. It's just boring. Anyway, anyway, nothing to worry about. Summer holidays, you know, like the old Cliff Richard song. Anybody remember that one, Summer Holiday? Oh, come on. Some of you oldies are ashamed to raise your hand. You remember what Sir Cliff said? We're all going on a summer holiday, no more working for a week or two. Fun and laughter on a summer holiday, no more worries for me or you. And when I was asked to preach, I had already started my annual pilgrimage through Psalms. There you go. And, uh, and I started looking for one of those that gave me that summer holiday feeling. I mean, we need that, don't we? And then I got stuck on chapter 20 and 21. Couldn't go any further. And these two song, psalms, and they are songs and prayer, um, they're songs of victory. It's the sound of victory. I'm not saying that just because it's your name. You can actually hear the sound of triumph in these psalms. For instance, in chapter 20, verse 5, David writes and says this, we will rejoice in your salvation. The, the NIV says, we're going to shout for joy when you're victorious. And in the name of our God, we'll set up banners. I know you got over flags, but they're coming back. Yes, they are. But this time, this time, they're not rainbows and doves and water. They got inscription on there. Our God is victorious. The church is triumphant. Come on. We need some things to shout about right now. We need flags of victory, not protest banners. <clears throat> I had to sneak that in. Why not? You can't fire me. So... You can turn the mic off, but you can't. Anyway. Yeah, Darren, I love it. You're the only guy that laughs hard at what I say. But chapter 20 is not a song for just any old summer. As I was kind of reading it, I'm getting this soundtrack. This is for this summer. Right now. The time you find yourself in. When you look at the time we're in, it's a time like no other. I mean, think about it. The challenges, the obstacles, the opposition on a scale that we have never seen, on a global scale. And I believe the most common used term during this time is unprecedented. I am over that term. Thank God it's not the hook for today. And these two Psalms, even though they're songs of victory, they were written for a testing 
time for David. He literally wrote them during a time of opposition. But they're also prophetic. You need to know that. Because they are a type of the king, Christ, who was to come and win our victory. And even though David was favored and anointed by God, which you are, he still faced testing times and opposition. Bad things do happen to good people. And Psalm 20 and 21 are written as songs or prayers for these kind of times. There are specific prayers and songs written for the day of battle. That's this one. Historically, if you go back and check, they're most likely during the Syrian war. 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 17. David is about to face this immense army. And he does what he does so well. He goes into the house of God for prayer and worship. And it's to be sung not by David himself as he brings an offering, but by the people behind him praying for him on the day. They're not summer holiday lyrics. Different translations. You look in your Bible. I don't know what yours says, but mine right here says the assurance of God's saving work. One translation says deliverance in the battle. Another one says before the battle, the victory of prayer and faith. One translation has chapter 20 as the prayer for victory, chapter 21 as thanksgiving for the victory. That's why they're there together. It was written as a song, a prayer that they would sing together loudly in unison. As Pastor Nate said this morning, he made that point in his first sermon with the hook that he gave us. It's us, not I. It's we, not me. And you know, Nate, you've made it so well when somebody quotes you. You've arrived, pal. You're the man. You're the preacher, aren't you? You've been quoted. First time in history? Eh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so we're going to do something that we don't normally do. It's not our tradition. That's good, isn't it? Come on. The Jews would do it. Different churches do it. There's power in doing it. What we're going to do is stand together, and we're going to read this psalm out loud together. It's only nine verses. We're going to do it short. It's going to be on the screen. You don't have to say it like I say it. Just say it. But there's something powerful about it because that's what they would do. They would go into the house of God and together with one voice, they would say this loudly. Why? Because they believed it. It wasn't, oh God, I wish you would. Oh God, could you, would you, should you? Uh-uh, it's God, you will. So let's stand our feet. We're going to read this together. This is a song or a prayer of victory. We're going to start at verse 1. May the Lord, you ready? Go with me. Here we go. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Selah. Tell you what that means in a little bit. Verse 4. May he grant you according to all your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. Verse 5. We will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. 
Now I know what happened to verse 6. Thank you. <laughs> verse 6. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, may the king answer. Awesome. Father, right now, we declare a day of victory. We declare a song of victory. We declare the sound of triumph, the sound of overcoming. You have declared yourself that we are more than overcomers. And so, God, we bless you today that through your strength, through your presence, God, through your word, we stand in faith that we will prevail. Your church will prevail. The gates of hell will not stand against it. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Have a seat. We're kind of not used to doing that together. Should do it more often. Right? Okay, here we go. The sound that we hear out of this soundtrack is, first and foremost, the sound of assurance and presence. I'm also going to break protocol this morning. I got two points, not three. But I do have three hooks at the end. David says this. Now, you need to know, as you start reading chapter 21 through 5, it's the people standing in the church praying for the king, the anointed. Okay? Verse 6, the king now responds to their prayer, or because of their prayer. And the Good News Bible literally says it this way. Now, I know that the Lord gives victory to his chosen king. In other words, I know your prayers are going to be answered. Victory is already there. He answers him from his holy heaven. And by his power gives him great victories. You know, the, the truth is this, guys. There's no triumph without testing. There's no victory without opposition. Oh, that went quiet. First five verses, the people are praying for the king with faith. God, do this. God, do this. God, do this. And they're set in unison by the people in the presence of God at the tabernacle. And the first verse of chapter 20 kind of sets the tone. Here's what it says. Very first line. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. Yeehaw. <laughs> Great, David. Thanks a lot. But can I tell you something? You can be sure there will be trouble. I don't want to rain on your summer holiday. But you can be sure these days will come. It was Paul. Yeah, I know it goes quiet, doesn't it? Like, you guys should be kind of flagellating yourself, going, bring it on. <laughs> it was Paul Harvey, great commentator, who said this. In times like these, it helps to recall that there have always been times like these. And there will be. It's not if. Remember, Nate said earlier, it's not if, it's when. David didn't write and say, hey, guys, if it comes my way, I'd like a little prayer. I, I love that when somebody goes, I'm just going to say a little prayer for you. I don't need little prayers. I need battle prayers. I need robust prayers because a day of trouble will come. And he says, when it comes, there's a misunderstanding in some Christian circles today about living in God's favor. Are we under God's favor? Absolutely. But some would have us to believe that that means everything goes our way, we'll never have trouble, and everything will work out for us. We'll be sheltered from it all. 
I, I need to tell you, without apology, this is contrary to the teaching of Christ. Jesus himself said, one of the last things he told them, I'm leaving you, their hearts were troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled, I'm going away. Holy Spirit's coming. Then down near the end of that chapter, John 16, verse 33, you know what he says? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you notice he doesn't say there, I have overcome the trouble? I have overcome the source of the trouble. Come on, come on. David is uh, facing an oncoming war with immense enemies. All he's got is foot soldiers, maybe a few horses. They've got thousands of chariots and horse soldiers and all kind of things. And so he says, we need to sing this song. And I need you to sing this song with me. I need the assurance that God is on our side. Because times like this will come. Prosperity does not mean a trouble-free life. I like what Spence Jones says in his commentary. In prosperity, there are many helps. In other words, when everything's sweet, everybody's your friend. They want to hang around. They want to party with you. But all of a sudden, when you've got opposition and trouble comes and you're down, there's but one around you, God himself. People scatter when you get in trouble. Yeah, he just shot himself in the foot. Don't we love to do that? Somebody gets in trouble and we immediately say, yeah, he just shot himself in the foot. How do you know? You might have just become one of his enemies by saying that. May the Lord answer you in this day. He's still there. In the second part of that verse, it says this, may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Now, that's probably not the best rendering, defend you, because in the original, it literally means to exalt you, to lift you, to set you high above the trouble. Didn't say he'd take it away. He said he'd put you above it. It's like one person said, yeah, I'm not doing so well under the circumstances. And somebody said, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? He will set you, the NASB, the New American Standard says, he will set you securely on high. Verse 2, may he send help from the sanctuary. You know what that represents? His presence. He's there. And strengthen you out of Zion. You know what Zion is? Zion is the hill that the tabernacle, eventually the temple was built on in the middle of Jerusalem, the place where the people of God dwelt with his presence and met together. So where does my help come from? Being together with the people of God. Strengthen that number. Two of us can put thousands to flight. And you can be sure, just as you can be sure there's trouble, you can also be sure there's security in the face of trouble. And while God never promised to remove us from life's difficulties... He has promised to make us able to rise above the trouble. And not only that, not only that, the very difficulties we face strengthen us. Remember the old saying? Doesn't kill you, it makes you. Right. That's not a Bible verse, by the way. That was Nietzsche. That was a psychologist said that. But literally, the, the difficulty strengthen us with his presence. And I know, I'm about to give you a soundtrack that's not new. I know, I got old soundtracks. However, if you can't remember what Nate told us a couple of weeks ago, 
they're soundtracks that stick in our head. You remember that? Why do they stick in our head? Why, you know, you'll be driving along and all of a sudden something out of 60s or 70s for some of us just starts going off in the head. And you go, where'd that come from? How, how did I remember that? I can't even remember my social security number. How can I remember that? It's because it's catchy. And because we hear them over and over again. Don't you know that when you watch an advertisement on television, you get sick of it because the same song again and again and again. And by that stage, you are sick of Maccas with their same song. It's got a hook. And they know that. And there's a song that's catchy that we hear over and over. And I know you've sung it. I know you've said it. I know you've quoted it because Paul wrote this catchy tune and we should never get tired of it. It's couched in the context of pain and suffering. He's talking about the groaning that's going on around us and even in us and even in God. And he said, in the middle of that groaning, we know that all things work together for good. You've sung this song. You've sung this song. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have, called, who have been called according to his purpose. How many of you have ever quoted that when it's getting a bit rough? Yeah, well, you need to hear it a bit more if you haven't. Serious, you need to get it in there. It's a catchy tune. But don't forget the next verse. He's not just working good and doing good things. There is a reason. There is a purpose because God foreknew you. He knew what you would go through. He knew what it would do to you. He knew how it would test you. And he allowed it to happen to you because he has determined that the very things that happen to you and me are going to shape us and form us into the very image and likeness of Jesus. Not just, all things work together for good. No, man, we're getting hammered like a piece of copper metal hammered. You ever seen those, those basins and bathrooms of copper metal that get hammered? They, just, they turn out amazing, but when you first see them, it's as ugly as sin. That's the same with a diamond. Comes out of the ground, you go, why does that thing cost a million dollars? Man, they just hack it and shape it and buzz it and do all kinds of things to it, and all of a sudden, you got a million-dollar gem. Same with the opals. And in that day of trouble... This day that we find ourselves in, you don't have to fear the things that you're facing. Whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional or spiritual, the God of Jacob is raising you up. Now, here's a note. You ever wondered why he said the God of Jacob? I mean, that's said over in chapter 24, the people of Jacob. It said many times in the Psalms, and in, why didn't you say Abraham? He's the father of faith. Why didn't he say Moses, great prophet? Why didn't he say Elijah or Elisha, thunder, fire, miracles? Why Jacob? Why the schemer? Why the liar? Why the crook? Why the mama's boy? I just had to put that in. I don't know if you know this, but Jacob was chosen to be Israel. Prince for people, the Prince of God. Even when he was a schemer, God still knew that he'd become Israel. So now he uses him as an example. This name is rich, people. Listen to me. First, it holds out hope to us when we've sinned. God was very merciful to Jacob in his sin. Right? Number two. It assures us that when we're not close to God, 
when we've wandered away from him, God is close to us. Because God was with Jacob to keep him. Even in his running, he opened heaven over him. When he was running away from family, God, and life, God met with him. Even when you wander from God, he is still there. I used to have a little sign in my office, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? It wasn't him. He's still there. Third, it encourages us to trust when we don't know the future. Here's Jacob. He's just running off to his uncles. People of a different language, different culture, don't know how I'm going to live, don't know what's going to happen to me, don't know if Esau's going to kill me. I don't know what's happening. God still had a purpose for Jacob. And you might be in a place where you go, I, I, I don't know. That's what I say. People say, what are you doing next? I don't know. He knows, but I don't know. I just wish he didn't take so long to tell me. You know, it's like there, there's some things I'm going to ask God about when I get to heaven, and one of them is this. How come your suddenlies take so long? You're the ancient of days. I'm not. I need it quicker. That's exactly why he doesn't tell me quickly. You know, in Psalm 146, verse 5, here it is. It says this very clearly. Happy, blessed is he who has the God of, say it, Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. You are blessed. You have this serenity. You have this assurance when you know that God is on your side. You have hope. Let's go back to the song, the prayer. Not only do we hear the sound of assurance and presence, the sound that we hear out of this soundtrack, here it is, is the sound of many voices as one. That's what it is. The sound that we hear, it's the sound of many voices as one. And as I said, the first five verses of chapter 20 are the prayers of the people for the king like the choir singing this is not a solo this is in unity and in harmony together with power wave after wave after wave and more than ever people we need to stand we need to move speak sing as one you know there are three weapons I, over the last year I just I got ticked I got aggravated I thought the enemy is just having his way and people don't see it with three things here it is distraction diversion and division people are so focused on what's going on around them they can't see Jesus people are so diverted that Jesus doesn't matter and people are so divided that Christians aren't even talking to each other anymore families won't visit each other anymore what a crock I'm sorry but that is a ploy of the enemy. That is not about rights, and, and I'm not going there. It is a ploy of the enemy. You have no rights. You surrendered them at the cross. You live as a servant. Ooh, anyway, I'll get off that. I won't do it. But listen, we cannot allow the trials, the difficulties, the different opinions to separate us at this time. It's a time for agreement. Listen, they raised their voices in agreement as one voice as they prayed. That's why I want us to read this together, not just me reading it to you, us together. And there's so much we can agree on. We can agree about the power of the cross. We can agree that God is good. We can agree that the church will prevail. We can agree, as Janet would remind us, God is in control. Jesus is on the throne. 
And in this psalm, the people are praying and believing for seven specific things. And the tone of their prayer is faith. They're believing it's going to happen. And by the way, when you get to chapter 21, you can read about those prayers being answered. Every prayer they prayed was answered. And I want to encourage you to sit down with a cup of coffee, slowly, slowly read through these two chapters, turn this song into your song. Pray it with faith. But there's one that I kind of want us to focus on. Verse 3. He said this, May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Selah. David would come before the Lord, go into the tabernacle, and he would dedicate himself and his people, especially in times of trouble. He would have made vows to God through his offerings. As you heard earlier, an offering isn't just the releasing and the giving of something. It is the making of, of a vow of yourself to God and his purpose. David puts the pause, the pregnant pause, Selah, which literally means stop think reflect on what you just heard remember the power of the vows that you have made before God and this prayer this song is a reminder to God himself it's like saying to God himself David came to you he came to your altar he made vows before you he gave us to you he gave our lives to you he gave the kingdom to you now stop God and look at this and honor his vows it's a bold prayer. And I think we ought to pause for a moment and remember the vows that we made to God. You made vows. It was such a privilege last Saturday to do Jack and Abby's wedding. And the vows that they wrote to each other and the vows that they make, and so many of you here at your wedding ceremony, you're not just making vows to that person in front of you, you're making vows to God together. And they're powerful. There's power in a vow. And there have been times you have stood at the front here or at one of our other buildings and you dedicated something, you offered something, you made a vow to God. He remembers. He remembers. And we're just calling it up. Pause and remember those vows. I read a great statement the other day. Here it is. I still remember the days I prayed for the things I now have. Reflect back. Think of those days. God, I knelt at that altar and I gave my life to you. I belong to you. I am yours. God, I joined this church. I believed with these people together that we're going to make an impact for the kingdom of God. I made that vow. Stop and think. And as we remember, let's remind God, God, we've done this. We've given ourselves to you and to your kingdom's cause. And today, in this day of trouble, we sing a song of victory in spite of what's going on around us. And we sing it louder than the world is singing that song of dissension and despair. And we sing with one voice in harmony and unity with trust, believing that you're going to lift us up, that we will be victorious, that your plans will prevail. So here's the three hooks. I need to close with these. I said I was going to do it. Here's the first hook. Sorry, I got three lines, not one. Live wisely. Live wisely. You know what I mean by that? Tune in to the right channel. When you're trying to find the song, come on, use your smarts and tune in to the right channel. 
The Israelites could have been sitting there going, but David, the Syrians of all people, why did you pick a fight with the Syrians? They got these huge brass chariots and horses bigger than any man. No, they didn't do that. You know what they said? Verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Sometimes the opposition might look threatening and bigger. Tune that out. Tune in to the right channel. Live wisely. Second hook. Sing expectantly. Sing expectantly. Sing with anticipation. That's a big word for hope. Our ultimate source of strength and deliverance comes from the Lord. David's listening to them behind him. He's probably offered at the altar and he's standing there and thousands of Jewish people standing behind him singing this song loudly. And all of a sudden, he retorts loudly in verse 6. He says, Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. Looking down through time, the son of David would be nailed to a cross. Hands and feet spread out bleeding. Crown of thorns, spear piercing. And yet at that moment, he won the victory. He won the day. I know the Lord gives victory to his anointed. By the way, you are also his anointed. You have been chosen. You have been empowered. You have been favored. He will give you victory. Here's a third hook. Focus specifically. It's not a time for random, general, wishy-washy prayers. It's a time for robust praying. It's a time to pray battle praying. And I don't know if you know it, but the pastors around this nation, we get the, we get the advantage now of not being one. So we get to talk to a lot. And I'm hearing what they're saying. And they are under a huge weight. Some, their knees are buckling. And they're under a huge weight because opposition from within. Mask, no mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. Stand against the government. Pray for the government. All this pressure is on the pastors. And you'll have split down, not, not down the middle, but you'll have a split, the haves, the have-nots. And the pastors are going, why aren't we together? I'm trying to lead you together for the kingdom's cause. Don't, don't get distracted. Don't get diverted. Stop being divided. And their hearts are breaking. David is standing at the front of the altar at the tabernacle saying, God, I gave my life to you. I lived in a cave for a long time just to see this through. I've gathered these people together. You call them the apple of your eye. And now we're facing annihilation. He didn't have people behind him going, you idiot, stand against the government, all this stuff. No, he heard this loud, united voice. May the king have this. May the king have this. May the king have... It was bold. It was loud. And can I just say this? Pray for your pastors. They are facing complex issues at this time. I never faced those. Hallelujah. I know they're built for it. But they want to lead forward and they want to turn complexity into opportunity. 
They wanna make an impact for the kingdom of God. And I love the way Eugene Peterson because the very last verse, verse nine, is the people now responding back after what David said. I know I'm gonna be victorious. And the people respond with verse nine. I love the way the message puts it. Here it is. Won't you stand to your feet? Make the king a winner. May the day we call give us your answer. Make our pastors winners. So the day when we call, your church will be triumphant. Come on, let's pray together. Father, this psalm and the one following so beautifully leads us to the cross where the king of kings faced incredible opposition the night before he sweat drops of blood said let it go away from me if it's possible but it's not important what I want it's your will that needs to be done and father your will was the breaking of the kingdom of darkness and the ushering in of the kingdom of light but it had to come through trouble and suffering and opposition and then came the victory and we want to thank you for the victory that was won at the cross our hope is in the cross our hope, our belief, our trust is in a Savior who gave his life so we can live victoriously. And so we thank you that this psalm helps us not only to sing about each other in this time, but it helps us to be thankful for the salvation that we have and that you paid for. And we bless you for that, God. We just sometimes take it for granted. But we stand today humbled that you would do that for us that you would send your son, heaven's best, to give his life so that we could be free, forgiven, 